As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Soccer 101, the podcast where we scratch the soccer itches you never knew you had. As we record, the 2022 World Cup is a little over 11 weeks away. And ahead of the Jamboree in Qatar, many of the 32 nations in action are revealing the kits they're going to be wearing this winter. The designs have divided opinion, which prompted us to discuss them. And we're going to discuss some of the best and worst World Cup kit designs in the history of the gosh darn competition. My name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me to discuss the threads from the world's biggest stage are Graham Rutherford. Hello. Hello, Ryan Bailey. Joe Lowry. Hello. Hello, Ryan. Uh, Graham, first off, I just need to check you're feeling okay. I'm aware kits are your favourite things to talk about. I don't want to like overstimulate <laughs> you out of the gate. I don't need you know too excited. Is that are you, yeah? Are you good? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty high for this one. I can't lie. Uh, funnily enough, <laughs> I did not pick this subject, but I did not fight Taylor who suggested it. And funnily enough, he isn't oh. on this, so I, I, I am uh, I'm taking his, his place. Oh today. no, Taylor, don't pick that one. That would be so yeah. bad. <laughs> so. Taylor basically lit the match and ran away, is what you're saying. Right? <laughs> yeah, he threw the grenade. <laughs> Joe, how do you feel about kits? You like a kit, don't you? Uh, sure. Yeah, I like, I like a good kit. I'm not passionate about them, but maybe I'll, I'm going to develop a better passion. I certainly developed like more of a respect for how they've evolved and a, like a, a real appreciation for how things have changed over time while doing my research for this show. So I would say this has brought me closer to being a kit lover, but I don't know that I'm all the way there. You sure seem quite passionate about the US's uh, World Cup kits. Well, because those just, ones are just terrible. Not, just not a good, yeah, just not a good passion, a bad <laughs> <Yeah>. passion. <laughs> yes, anger is the word that I would use to describe it. That's anger. right. Yeah. Well, they're moving the needle, Joe, which many of these kits we're going to discuss today certainly did as well. Yeah. Um, so why don't we start off the conversation by sort of generally looking at World Cup kits. Why are they a big deal? I mean, uh, Graham, if you think about over the years you can picture certain kits and they're iconic when you mm. picture the kits of winning teams. I know uh, as an England fan, the World Cup 66 shirts are still for sale or replicas thereof. And the even the nine, Euro 96 kits, you can still buy them in stores. Certain kits hold quite a lot of uh, cultural significance, don't they? Yeah, I don't think I'm going to break any new ground with my answer here, but you mentioned iconic moments there. The World Cup naturally produces those moments and, and, and the kits are what the teams wear for those moments. So in terms of uh, 
um, pictures and images of the sport that resonate through history, you then have whatever they're wearing in those pictures and they kind of get seared into the into the memory bank and and the obvious answer here for why are why they're such a, a big deal is that the world cup only comes around every four years so it's not like at the the club game where you might get a new kit every single season i know brentford in the premier league this this year don't actually have new kits but i think every other club in the premier league either has one two or three new kits and club fans get used to that but that is not the case with international soccer and, and certainly not with the, the world cup so ahead of every world cup there's a great deal of anticipation from fans about what the the kit will look like because that anticipation has has built up for a longer period of time and i also think international kits in general are a big deal because they're meant to represent a, a people a, a way of life a culture and that might sound slightly corny maybe a little bit melodramatic but a good world cup kit does more than just look nice it reflects something about the country that is wearing it okay so if scotland are ever in a world cup it would have tartan for example well i think our new kit for the world cup that we are not going to uh thanks for that ukraine uh, has some tartan a little bit of tartan flash on it a little bit of purple so the new scotland kit that we're not wearing at this major tournament is a lot better than the one we wore at the major tournament we actually qualified for so graham I've I have a question for you to to also get us off track of the Scotland uh, unfortunate not qualifying for 2022 discussion. So you're mentioning international teams not getting jerseys nearly as often as club teams and that's that's true. I went back through though just now and looked at the US men's national team. And they have had a bunch of different jerseys. I believe they've had a different kit every year for the last 4 years and it goes back even further than that. I believe they have one that generally comes out on a yearly basis. Is the U.S. men's national team, I'm putting you on the spot here, kind of the only group, I guess U.S. soccer in general, the only federation that does that? I think of them as changing way more than, say, England, who generally are just rocking that home white shirt with maybe some sort yeah. of accent and then the the crest and the on, on, on the on the chest. So I think it's certainly true that the U.S. has more kits than most federations. I My impression was that the current cycle is from 2020 with the, with the U.S. I think that's been in play for 20 years, it's 20 years, sorry, two years since 2020. If I look at Scotland, um, obviously a country that I know well, we've had our current kit since pre-pandemic, so that would be 2019. So we're coming up for three years with this with this same kit, and we still haven't had our new kit released because obviously Adidas have re- released the, the World Cup kits. I think maybe next month the new Scotland kits will be released when those games are being played. But we've gone three years without a kit. And in that time, you know, all the all the big Scottish teams, Celtic Rangers, they'll have had multiple, multiple kits. I'd, I'd hazard a guess that they've had probably about 10 kits each, each in that time. So I think it's certainly true that US soccer does get more kits, but that isn't common across the board. All right, Joe, uh, looking more broadly at World Cup kits, uh, are there any FIFA rules on what they have to be? I presume <laughs> they have to have like uh, holes for your arms and holes for your head and stuff. Is there anything else you have to have on a on a kit? Yeah, so those are key requirements here. There are a lot of rules about FIFA kits in general and World Cup kits specifically. So I, I have a couple of different places I went and looked for this. So the FIFA FIFA has rules for the 2022 World Cup in particular, and they specify rules for World Cup kits. There's a bunch of them. I, I did not pull all of them out, but I'm going to pull out a few here. So you need two contrasting colors. So two different and contrasting colors, one predominantly light jersey and one predominantly dark jersey. So you need to have at least two shirts coming into the World Cup. 
Goalkeeper kits have to be distinct and contrasting from the official outfield jerseys. That makes sense, right? You don't want your, your goalkeepers getting confused with anybody else. That's all well and good until uh, you have a particularly garish goalkeeper jersey that we might talk about later. Each team has to supply a set of goalkeeper shirts without names and numbers in case an outfield player has to go in goal, which makes perfect sense. It's not something that I'd ever thought about before. And FIFA supplies teams with the badges that have the FIFA World Cup 22 branding on it, and those go on the right sleeve, not the left sleeve, the right sleeve, according to FIFA, of each shirt. So those are a few of the guidelines for the World Cup. These are more general guidelines from FIFA's equipment regulations document. Does anybody want to guess how many pages this is, at least the PDF that I read through? Oh, is it 92? I saw one that's 92. I saw, I believe, maybe a more recent one with that was 128 pages long, yeah. at least again on that PDF. Maybe the if you print it out, it's going to come a little different. A light read? A light read, exactly. So I spent some of my yesterday afternoon reading through this 128-page document. It was great. No pockets, no sharp metal that could cut someone, so no like zippers or anything like that. No reflective material, nothing that changes color. Rules about how large manufacturer logos can be, which actually makes a lot of sense. They called it, uh, it's, it's basically like you know a, no, a more aggressive form of sponsors, and they don't really want that from the kit manufacturers. Outfield players can have a pattern, stripes, hoops, think that kind of thing. Goalkeepers, according to this document, I know this hasn't held up historically, cannot have any sort of real pattern. So, Ryan, to answer your question, yes, FIFA does have rules. There's a lot of it. Cameroon tried to wear onesies one time. FIFA didn't uh, love that so much. They're relative sticklers about how these jerseys are designed and put together. Yeah, Cameroon have uh, tried a couple things uh, over the years. We'll get to them a little later on. Uh, they certainly like to push the boundaries. And it's interesting you mentioned um, shirts not having anything that changes color because if my memory serves correctly to this summer, the shirts yeah. that England wore to win the Euros had an iridescent badge, which technically yeah, changes color. That's where my mind went as well when Joe said that was that England's badge definitely did change color depending on what light was on it. Guys, anyway, are, we, I guess... are we snitching on England right now? Graham, I get I Ryan, you? <laughs> what are we doing here? It's all good. It's all good. They're a beautiful kit anyway, Joe. Um, so let's go way, way back. Way, 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 way back, Joe. Um, what did the first World Cup kits look like? I presume they were made of a very heavy fabric and had long sleeves and boot laces on them and stuff. They looked like they were made in the 1930s is the, is the best way that I can describe this. So you're, think, you're talking thick fabric. You're talking relatively, in most cases, you're talking about a single color. So Mexico in the 1930 World Cup had like this deep maroon shirt with a collar uh, that actually needed to be like laced up. Think like you're looking at your shoelaces. It has that sort of uh, collar on it. And then the badge to the left, I believe on the left side of their chest. So a lot of just single colors. Uruguay had a light blue shirt, similar color. The the color itself was actually white, and, and Mexico's was the same maroon. But very simple designs. Argentina, back in 1930, in their home shirt, I believe, had that, what we now think of still today as this classic Argentina blue and white stripe. So they did have some accents going on, but a lot of simple shirts. And Graham, I'll let you fill in any of the gaps here that you want as we go through. But I found, generally speaking, in the 1930s, Collars were pretty popular. Badges were the main design element. And other than sort of Argentina, you didn't have a lot of teams playing with multiple colors. Then you get into the 50s, and we start to see some signs of change. I read through a few lists about the the best and most iconic World Cup kits of all time. And the USA's 1950 World Cup kit did pop up on some of those lists. It was a, a white shirt with a red sash. And I'd never seen the sash in any other World Cup kits by that point. Not to say it didn't happen, but that's the first one I saw in my research. That's a real design element. Some of those design elements start to pop around this time. 
but still a lot of solid colors in the 50s and 60s. Then you get into the 70s and, and colors have gotten less popular. You just have the modern sort of circle neckline that you think of on a regular athletic t-shirt. Not exclusively, but that's a lot of what you see. And then a lot of solid colors based on the flag. Then you get into the 80s and 90s and things go well off the rails in the late 90s and 2000s. But you get colors. You get, Ryan, I'm sure you're familiar with this shirt. Graham, of course you are because you know everything about kits. But England's World Cup shirt in 1982, you, you start to get some real patterns. And they have the red and white and blue kits with, with the coloring mostly on the shoulders. And that's a really good kit, I think. Denmark has this patched red and white candy cane vibe going on in the 1982 World Cup. So you're starting to get more and more design, like what we would think of as real creativity on some of these shirts as you get into the 80s and 90s and then into today. When when you look through the timeline, I think you can see by the 70s, that's the decade where they're starting to be some significant step forward. That This is really when, in the 70s is when you get the start of shirts becoming more than just for the players at the tournament and they start to become merchandise. So while kits had previously been made by big name manufacturers before the 70s, the 1974 World Cup is when the logo of those manufacturers start to make their way onto the kit themselves. I think Argentina had the Adidas logo on their, their kit for the first time for that tournament. And and that that marks a pretty important shift in what the focus is. These these shifts are now at uh, these shirts, sorry, are now products to be sold to to customers and and essentially fans. I noticed on the Australia kit for the 1974 World Cup that Umbro had their their logo incorporated incorporated into the sleeve design as well, like you would maybe see with Adidas. Obviously, Adidas have made a hallmark of the three stripes on the on the sleeve, and Hummel have their their chevrons. That was the first time I'd seen that at the World Cup with Umbro doing that. And um, from there, you the development continues into the into the the late 80s and into the 90s, where the, the development starts to happen in terms of the sort of materials being used to manufacture the kits, the the shirts get a, a lot lighter synthetic materials get used and that brings us up to the the present day where you now have badges being applied using uh, using heat to make shirts even lighter and I know there's a lot of there's been a lot of chatter about how poor the design of Nike's World Cup kits are this year and I think we'll come on to that a little bit later on but I've, I've read some stuff on the technology being used in those those player issued shirts not that not the replica shirts but the ones that the players will actually wear at the tournament and it's it's frankly nuts the the, the amount of research and development that has been put into manufacturing the material itself is is incredible and I think over the last 20 years that has been the designs are kind of even now in 2022 we're kind of getting a lot of retro designs that go back to the the 80s and 90s but in terms of the actual material I think that's where big strides have have been made that's interesting Graham because I I think of the shirts I own in the 90s and I pick get them out of the cupboard now and they're sort of very thick material quite so heavy so heavy so so heavy and compared to the modern kits as you say which are a light and sort of a very breathable stretchable material for most cases I didn't realize there was a significant difference between say the replica that we would get and the one that the players would be wearing in Qatar is it is oh, it yeah. quite significant then Oh yeah, in terms of in terms of the material, it's it's an absolutely giant difference. I've noticed this with Nike in, in particular the last couple of years. So you remember the the PSG tie dye shirt that I quite liked from a couple of seasons yep. ago. I actually bought both versions of that to see. I sent one back, but I wanted to see what the difference was because I suspected that the player issue one would have a, a big difference, and it, and it really did. And you look at the material now, and there's kind of like a there's kind of like a weave through it through the player issue one that is designed to i guess wick sweat away more effectively whereas the the stadium one as they call it the replica one 
is just a little. It's a. It's a little. You can tell it's cheaper. It's not. It's not as expensive to make. There is a, a massive difference between the two, and actually, I think we're starting to see that that difference get bigger and bigger. The replica shirts are almost, in some instances, people should go and look at the the Barcelona away kit for this season. It might actually be the third kit for this season, and look at the differences between the replica and the authentic version. They're 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 almost different kits. They're kind of they're kind of different colours actually, and I think that's largely down to the material that's been used. That's interesting because I think the authentic MLS shirts, for example, from what I can see. Um, they are like thirty or forty dollars more, and you get like yeah. an extra sleeve sponsor on them, so you get like more sponsorship on them. Oh basically. yeah, and it's not. It doesn't seem to be a material difference, so to speak, so or much of one, I should say. Um, yeah, that's another conversation altogether. Why don't we, before we go to a break, talk about the twenty twenty two World Cup offerings we've seen so far? Um, Joe, USMNT kit, you're a big fan of what Nike have produced, right? Yeah, it's so good. Uh, I can't. I can't do this, Ryan. I can't even. I don't even know where to go with that. They're they're ugly. They're really bad. I've seen some folks that like them, and I'm I'm glad there are some people that like them. I haven't. I just I just can't do it. I I really can't do it. So it's a What's white wrong? home kit. What's break it down. What's wrong? Yeah, with it? it's just I'm, I'm gonna shirt, break right? it down. So it's it's a white. Yeah, it is just a shirt. It looks like just the white one looks like just a regular shirt that you would buy at Ross for twelve bucks. It's a white home kit. The logo is high and centered, which I don't really like i'm not totally against it. i think it can work but it, it does not work here the logo is high and centered there's a little accent on the sleeves but it's so bare and part of the reason why the initial images that we've gotten some of them were leaked i think dick sporting goods had it on the shelves when they weren't supposed some some sporting goods store had it on the shelves when they weren't supposed to uh, the numbers could save this the numbers could help save this let me say it that way but it is so bare and plain. There's not a lot going on in terms of the design. It is primarily white. And even with the numbers on there, it is still going to be primarily white. You can do that and have a good kit, but you need just some really lovely accents. And this one just doesn't do it for me. The blue away kit uh, looks like a kid ate a bunch of blue dye and then threw up on a t-shirt. <laughs> That's what it looks like. And I don't really feel the need to go any further than that. I just think these kits are so bad. The- the blue one is is for me anyway. The blue one is marginally better than oh. the home one, but they're both they're both pretty bad. And actually, when you look through the night kits for this World Cup, they actually haven't been officially released yet. So it's basically leaks at this point. But when you get this close to the re- to, to the release, you can tell they're they're legit. So when you look at the the night kits for this World Cup, I think the US might have been dealt the worst hand of all the of all the night yeah. uh, night teams. And and the slightly confusing thing is. Someone tweeted me, I, I tweeted out the US kits and said I wasn't a fan. Someone tweeted me back and said, I don't understand why the US, as you know, Nike are an American company based in Portland, why they don't get bespoke kits. That's the slightly confusing thing because I think the US have got bespoke kits yeah. for this tournament. It, it, this design follows some of the, the design language that Nike has been using in 2022, not just for the World Cup kits, but their club kits too. But then there are other elements which I think are unique to this design for, for the US. So, for example, I haven't seen another home Nike kit, kit this year with a centralized badge. This was something that Nike did last year. You remember Ryan the England shirt for the, the Euros had a centralized badge. But all the kits for this World Cup now have the classic badge over the hat, heart and then the, the Nike swoosh on the other side. I, I can't see another kit with the Nike swoosh on the sleeves. That's something that Nike did in 2021 with the, the PSG third shirt. But it's something that seems to be unique to the US for this tournament. So I've seen a lot of criticism of, of laziness from the Nike designers for this design of, of the US kit. I, I don't think it's laziness at all. In fact, they seem to have done more to differentiate this US kit from any other, any other at the tournament. It's just that those unique elements that they have chosen, to my eye, are bad and they don't work together at all. Can I 
give you a take so hot that it's about to turn into steam, Graham. Go on. Yeah. yeah. So the leaked England Nike shirts, which are very much a 90s throwback, it appears. They look literally like the Italian 90 shirts. Mm-hmm. I don't like the I like the USMNT shirt better. Do you? I so do. I don't think the home one. I saw a leak of the the England one a few months ago, and I thought it could work. At the execution on the home one isn't particularly good. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's kind of like a, the blue shoulders, but then they fade into the into the white. The red one, I the the away one, I uh, I really like because that just screams. That's just pure nineties to me to me. But then you said in the chat, Ryan, that you thought it was two nineties, which I didn't think that was uh, that was possible for you to think something what? was two nineties. <laughs> I just I feel like it's going to be like scratchy nylon when I touch it. That's what I fear, Graham. And I think I don't, there's a lot I don't of... think it will. I think I think it'll look like that, and then it'll be very breathable and yeah. might not uh, hide any of our wobbly bits. I suppose it's because <laughs> that's I... one of the problems with the modern kits. I feel. <laughs> yeah, those Kappa ones from a few years ago, which were very unforgiving. Oh yeah. Um, I, I think yeah, it's I don't know, Graham. I just I'm just not a big fan of them. I I, I can't but... quite announce it. Maybe it's because there's been a lot of '90s design language in recent kits. Manchester United, for example, where I think it's a bit incongruous having that collar mm. the way it is, and I think. Going 90s for the sake of going 90s, nah, not for me. Even though there, I basically there, wish the 90s never ended. <laughs> there are some decent night kits from what I've seen out there. The South Korea one, they, they, they've got a very nice away kit. It's sort of multicoloured brush strokes against oh, yeah. a, back, a dark background. It reminds me of uh, some of the kits that RB Leipzig have had from Nike recently. And in France, they normally get a decent... Um, away shirt from Nike and, and, and I like this one as well it's a, it's a pattern that has all sorts of French icons including the Art de Triomphe in there so I'm, I'm feeling that one I think in terms of the trend there's definitely a trend at the moment where manufacturers are trying to make football shirts streetwear the kings of this obviously are the Italian fashion brand that we mention quite often Venezia those, those shirts at this point those shirts are barely football shirts anymore and I, th- I think Nike have gone down this this road with some of the PSG obviously the Air Jordan stuff that they've done so I look at that that away England shirt that they've designed and that to me says that that's not primarily been designed for the players that's been designed to to be bought as streetwear it's very much a, an established trend at this point fair point all right uh, Graham I'm going to read you a text I received from my friend Tom um, about an hour ago who's just returned from Cancun he says I was a fan of Mexico after our vacation, but now I've seen their World Cup kits, I'm going to apply for citizenship. Oh, so yeah. Adidas <laughs> um, seem to have done a good job by all accounts. They've got some very varied and interesting designs on offer. They do. And when it comes to consistency, there, there's no denying that I think Adidas looked to have, have won this World Cup with their, their kit designs. Um, I think there's only one bad kit in there, and that's the... The Belgium home one because of the flames on the sleeves. It's a, it's a little bit too hot wheels for, for my liking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or Guy Fieri. But then even even then, Belgium get a nice uh, a nice shirt of, uh, out of Adidas because the the away one is is very nice with the badge and the logo all kind of multicolored. That that's very nice. But the standouts for me are the Spain away kit, which is light blue with uh, with a kind of very retro wavy design through it. I read that that design is based on the logo for the 1982 Spain World Cup. So I like that a lot. And then, as you say there, Ryan, the, the Mexico away shirt, which has caught quite a bit of attention. It feels like this World Cup's uh, Nigeria home. You'll remember the 2018 World Cup where Nigeria, or Nike, sorry, sold I think about 3 million Nigeria shirts on just on pre-order for this tournament. I'm not sure if Mexico will sell that many of, of, of this shirt, but it's it's been a talking point since it's been rele- released the other day and it's kind of got a, a traditional pattern through it. I read that it's a, a tribute to... Um, the arts of the ancient civilizations of, of Mexico. So I, I, I like that. It somehow still manages to remain modern as well. So I think that's yeah. probably the pick of the bunch. It's got the, the Mayan vibes, like their 98 kits, which were good as well, if 
I'm yeah. not mistaken. Joe, you liking Adidas's offerings? I quite like the German uh, single black stripe down the middle. That's a bit different. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of Juventus, actually. So mm-hmm. I, I wasn't as big of a fan of that one. I like it still. It wasn't the one that jumped out to me. Germany's, Germany's shoot, that's going to be the home kit then, right? The one that's red, the away kit, excuse me. The red and black one, That's it's. I think that one looks really cool. With the, I, It's hard to tell from some of the pictures. I believe they're still white Adidas stripes, so they might be gold. Graham, could you tell what they are on the, on the, on the, like the shoulders? Either way, those are really clean, and with the, with the gold accents on other parts of the kit, I think, it all, I think all that trim is gold. I like that one a lot. Mexico's both their home kit and away kit are incredible. The green is, is phenomenal, and the white and red accent on the home kit. One thing I love both, I think the two that I'd seen get the most acclaim, the two countries from these Adidas jerseys, was the Mexico combination and the, J- the Japan combination. Yeah. Both of those kits had a great, strong, colorful jersey so japan's is is blue and mexico's is green and then the alternate shirt so the away kit then is like this really clean white design but it's not just boring like the u.s is white design and this is what gets me or or like pumas and we can talk about those in just a minute but it's it's like actually thoughtful and and somehow visually enticing at the same time mexico has this like white red accent combo and it's it's really cool and then japan has this light it's it's white away shirt on the sleeves, you get light red and light blue in this neat geometric design pattern. I think those are both phenomenal. The execution on both the home yeah. and the away is really good. Joe, I'm glad you mentioned the, the Japanese shirts there because that's one of the things I love about the Adidas designs. You remember at the, at the top of the show, I said that a football shirt, particularly for a World Cup, is, is a representation of, of, of a culture and of a nation. And Adidas seem to have done a really good job through a lot of their designs of, of representing something about the country. So the Japan home shirt, which is very nice to the untrained eye, but then you learn that the design is a three-legged origami crow, and the story in Japanese folklore is that if you if you create a hundred origami, you get a wish granted. So obviously the implication there is the wish is that Japan's going to win the World Cup or do well at the World Cup. So the pattern is made up of a hundred origami crows, the crow being the icon of the Japanese Football Association. I love all that. That just says to me that there's a great deal of thought being put into into a design that doesn't just look good, but actually says something about the country itself. Wow, very cool. The crowning of Japan. I like that Indeed. a lot. Um, so there was one other apparel manufacturer, Graham, who it got to Sunday night and they realized the homework was due on Monday morning and <laughs> they, just, um, they, they, they just phoned it in, didn't they? <laughs> where, where do we even start with Puma at this point? Are, are they, are they, are they trolling us all? Some, someone at Puma is surely having a laugh with their kit designs over the last couple of years. Keep in mind that Puma designed those awful third kits last season, which had the <laughs> the club name in oh, writing rather than those a are the Ross it, kits. Those are the yeah. the Ross kits. Unbelievable. It was like something out of I don't know, like Pro Evolution Soccer when they didn't have the rights to use the actual kits for the clubs, and so they had to come up with something generic for 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 this World Cup. So I think the home kits that Puma have designed. Are, are absolutely nothing special but it's, it's, the, it's the, way, the away kits that's that's caught the flack from, from most people they've designed these white away shirts for every one of its countries with a sort of this is difficult to explain but a sort of circle or square or border in the middle and I think the idea is that the, the number will sit in the middle of that border and the badge is kind of incorporated within the border itself. This is all as weird as it, as it sounds if you haven't seen these, kit, these kits. Now, it's a bad design and I haven't seen anyone say that they like them, but they're even worse for fans who 
generally when they're buying these kits won't have the number inside of the border so for players i guess there's there's some sort of the the, the dots are being joined a little bit when you have a number in there and you're a, you're a player but for fans who normally don't get a number on their shirt it's just a border for nothing it's weird it is really really bad the the way i would describe the box and the, all the different shapes i guess are, are sort of different but switzerland with the red and white you guys know those name tags that have the hello my yeah. name is on the top and then the empty part underneath that's white <laughs> and you write it in that's literally what switzerland's away shirt looks like that puma built it's it's a weird template again the trend of centering the logos and everything on the front is maybe it's just going to take some getting used to for me i'm not trying to be so cantankerous about this but I, i'm struggling to adjust to some of those looks and just the lack of other design elements on some of these Puma shirts is is tough. Senegal's isn't the worst. There's some color going on, and I, I like some of the features that are on that shirt. But generally, it is it's pretty rough. I think I think the centralized bag badge thing, Joe, is is, and I swear this isn't a, a I'm not throwing shade in your, shade in your direction or, or shaming you for being young or anything like that. But I think that's like a '90s thing, and I think it's one of the first Scotland kits that I ever had had a centralized badge. So when I I quite like the centralized badge because it makes me think of the '90s, I guess, and there's sure. nostalgia there for me. I think it's the same with England, Ryan. England for the '98 World Cup maybe had a centralized badge as well, yeah, and in right. '90s. 96 did the, the centralized badge for that one as well so yeah. i think recent kits have been a throwback to to those but puma are just taking it way too far with with the recent de- recent designs we should have left the late 20th century in the late 20th century that's all i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> all right let's park the late 20th century and the 2022 offerings right there we're going to take a quick break hopefully some advertising from ross because we've mentioned them several times already in this episode we'll be back shortly looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Soccer 101, welcome back. We are talking about World Cup Kits, And I thought we could spend a few minutes talking about some of the interesting and quirky kits and kit stories from throughout the years. And when I was thinking about this, gents, the one that struck me first off was um, 1986, the 1986 World Cup in Mexico, uh, the very famous England versus Argentina game in which Diego Maradona horrendously cheated and then scored one of the greatest <laughs> goals of all time. Uh, he did so wearing kits that were bought from a store in Mexico City hours before the game. Uh, basically, they had a last-minute scramble for these jerseys. The story goes that um, in the previous round, uh, Argentina played Uruguay wearing sort of heavy cotton jerseys, but their coach said, he, well, he quite rightly said it might affect player performance if he was going to wear them in Mexico City at the Azteca with um, 
it was like 100 degrees or something. Um, obviously, didn't wasn't aware that he was playing England, who can't function in that weather anyway, but uh, thought they'd try and get the advantage by going and finding some newer shirts. They literally went out to a store in Mexico City, uh, sewed on the Argentina patches, ironed on the player <laughs> numbers, and, yeah, that, that's how the legend goes, Graham. It's, uh, it's pretty impressive that they pulled that together at the 11th hour. It's just as well that didn't happen in 2022 or that Argentinian FA representative would have gone to down to Ross and he would have gone, ah, all there is is all these Puma shirts, Puma away shirts. That's all we've got to deal with. We're going to just have to wear this Serbia away shirt against England in the World Cup. Oh, I hope there's a Ross and a Marshalls in some little um, strip mall in downtown Qatar, by the way. That would, that would make me very happy, Graham. <laughs> Um, the other one, Joe, you mentioned it earlier, uh, Cameroon, who've uh, not only tried to wear onesies at some point, but they've also tried to wear sleeveless kits uh, on occasion as well, Joe. Yeah. My first question to this is, why? I- I'm all for trying <laughs> Puma, to get a little creative, but yeah. I, don't, I don't understand what the driving factor is here. So FIFA told them to stop doing these things. So you're talking 2002, 2004, we're talking AFCON, and we're talking the 2002 World Cup. Uh, I, I don't understand why this is the hill that you choose to die on as just a, a soccer country or as a, a jersey designer. It is strange to me, but basically Cameroon had these sleeveless jerseys they'd been wearing and FIFA didn't like that too much. And as far as I am aware, they ended up wearing either sewing on black sleeves on top of the sleeveless shirts. So basically just adding them to the end or wearing black undershirts. I don't know. I, I read different things. Maybe you guys know which one of those things is actually true. But they end up wearing black, so they end up wearing sleeves at the 2002 World Cup. Then they go to onesies in AFCON in, in 2004, <laughs> and they're fined the six figures. They're docked six points from CAF World Cup qualification for the 2006 World Cup. The punishment was, I believe, not enforced. So I, I guess it went fine. But there's this back and forth between Puma saying, you know, these are, these are fine. And FIFA saying, no are very complicated and long... Well, it's not that complicated, but are very long rules dictate that there have to be one short, one shirt, two socks, all of those things. So there was a nice little back and forth surrounding the onesies and the tank tops. Again, yeah. why? But uh, also thank yeah. you, Cameroon, because this is a great story. I, I can't imagine that the onesies were particularly practical. I can just imagine no. like a, a match kicking off in the second half and the referee's like... Where's where's Cameroon? Where have they got to? Oh, they're 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 all peeing. They're all it's taking them ages to pee well, at halftime. That was actually going to be one of my questions, Graham. I don't know. I need this answering. Did the onesie have a butt flap like old fashioned um, pajamas? <laughs> we can hope. You can hope. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I get it though. There's function in a sleeveless shirt because it's hot. But what is the function of a onesie in soccer? I have no idea. But uh, that was what they tried. Run to faster. Do. Really? I don't know. It makes um, I don't know. sorting I don't jerseys at the end quite, uh, quite an event, I'd imagine, as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, anywho, uh, the other one that struck me, Graham, uh, going back in time to 1974, you mentioned that was the year when uh, apparel manufacturers started to have their logos appear on stuff. Uh, Johan Cruyff's uh, Netherlands shirt, Graham, uh, didn't quite have the full Adidas treatment, did it? No, it didn't. So uh, Netherlands at that time had a, a, a kit deal with Adidas, and Johan Cruyff was Puma's uh, biggest biggest name, the, the face of that company in, in European soccer. And Johan Cruyff wasn't happy about having to wear the Adidas shirts for that World Cup. So I can't remember if he just did it himself or was there some sort of agreement with the Dutch FA? But basically for those games, he didn't wear three stripes on, on his shoulders, which is obviously the hallmark of Adidas. His shirt had two stripes. Which did even more advertising for Adidas in the end, really, didn't it? 
yeah, it was pretty counterproductive because we're still it. talking about it to this day. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Joe, there's one glaring omission if we're going to talk about quirky World Cup kits. Yeah, it happened is. in 1994, didn't it? Tell us about the denim kits, <laughs> which I imagine are as heavy and as cumbersome as real denim. Well, so I thought for a long time that these were actual denim. They're they're not. They're just 100% polyester with like a denim print on top of it. So they're made to look like they're denim. But there is, there's been so much good stuff written about these jerseys over the years. They are incredibly polarizing. I, I think they are hideous, but they're like so far in one direction that they start to bend around back towards the other direction to become iconic and, and sort of lovable. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly where I fall. I kind of oscillate between both ends of that spectrum, but they are iconic. There's no doubt about that. Whether they're good iconic or bad iconic is a different discussion. But basically, U.S. soccer wanted something for the 1994 World Cup that was going to be America. Like, as America as you can get. That led Tab Ramos later to say, like, we were cowboys out there. We were about as American as you could get. That's a paraphrase, but Ramos used the word cowboys to describe them because that's basically what they looked like. So you had USSF executives coming out and saying, this is from an article that Slate wrote, and it's fantastic. Go through and read it. The whole idea was that this was an American World Cup. We needed to make a statement about soccer in America. They, they did make a statement. So then you have Eric Winalda. This is also from that Slate article. Adidas is coming in to review to, to reveal the kits. Excuse me. All the players are sitting down. They're thinking this is going to be a fun meeting. They're excited. Uh, and Winalda says after they were unveiled at this meeting, it was the longest silence I'd ever heard from our team. And then basically everybody started laughing. So Paul Caligiuri thought the jersey was like a clown suit. He thought it was fake. Even, even Alexi Lalas, who, and this is a direct quote from the Slate piece, even shaggy-haired guitar-playing center back Alexi Lalas, who once wrote and performed a song called Kickin' Balls, hated it. So this is pretty great. I'm glad this happened. I don't know how many of the players are, are really thrilled about these kids. Certainly not many of them were thrilled at the time. But they are certainly interesting and quirky, which was the criteria for this category and segment of the show. This this is my biggest wish for the 2026 World Cup. So I know yes. it was an Adidas kit and Nike now have the US soccer deal. But nonetheless, please Nike, please Phil Knight. I'm not even sure if he's still involved with, with, uh, with Nike anymore. But if you're listening, Phil, please give the USA denim kits for the 2026 World Cup. If you're already making terrible kits as you are for this year's World Cup, at least make terrible kits that give us a laugh and people will buy <laughs> ironically. That's all I want. Imagine the reveal video you could do for that kit with Alexi Lalas get him to grow out the beard again. Honestly, it would be fantastic. And it actually wouldn't surprise me if Nike went down this down this, uh, down this this route with their away kit for the 2026 World Cup because tell me that people would not love this. Oh, it, yeah. would be, it would be fantastic. That's all I want. That's what the people want. Absolutely, Graham. 100% with you there. Um, one more quirky kit to mention uh, from the very first World Cup, Graham. Yeah. So has anyone seen what Bolivia wore at the first ever World Cup in 1930? They wore... White shirts, but each shirt had a different letter on the front, and combined, when they all lined up in a row, it spelled out Viva Uruguay. So it's like when you see fans at Wimbledon wearing t-shirts that, when they're all sat in a row, spells like Go Andy or Go Tim, but was completely bizarre, because how would that actually work on a football pitch? Because obviously all the players are going to be spread out, and unless they're lined up in a wall, and then they need to be all in the same order for that wall for a free kick... It's not going to spell out what you want it to spell out, but yeah. yeah, notable, just not very good. I'm already working out the unfortunate anagrams. There's a few. I can see there already. <laughs> um, also sort of shouting out a rival team technically as well. 
yeah, just really, <laughs> really strange stuff. Strange indeed. All right, let's uh, let's go to the best kits and the worst kits from the World Cup uh, history books. Why don't we start off with the worst so we can finish with the best? That sounds good to me. Um, when I think of the worst kits, Joe, Jorge Campos, USA 94. We've mentioned USA 94 to Deming kits. I don't think they're the worst by any means, but those Mexican um, goalkeeping kits were, you could see them from space, basically. You could, which you know maybe was a, a detailed plan to help Mexico's astronautical endeavors. Almost certainly not, um, but that kit was a lot, right? You're talking pink. You're talking every color you can possibly imagine was on that shirt in some sort of very impressively ridiculous pattern. That one was was bad. I want to go to the opposite end of the spectrum, and also you know much more recent. I'm talking about the kits from this year. I think we already have some all time stinkers in this group. I think Switzerland and Serbia from Puma in particular, the all white shirt with very little detailing, even with the numbers, they could not save these shirts. I think they are on this list of worst kits just because of how dull they are. When when you look at the rest of the competition for these World Cups, for this 2022 World Cup in particular, there are so many good shirts already. And in the Puma, those particular Puma shirts, I'm not ready to put the USA's shirt into this group. I think there have been worse but but Switzerland and Serbia were really, really hard done by with some of these shirts. I am very much prepared to put them in this worst kits category of all time already, and it's only been a few days since they were released. Uh, any other contenders, Graham? The, the one, I don't know, I, I'm uh, riffing here, but there was an Italy shirt which had like the white, um, it looked like it had a white undershirt under it. It looked like it was yeah. a V-neck, but it had like a white so that- triangle at the top, which looked weird. That was the 2000... They, they won the World Cup in that shirt, I think. So that was 2006. And I remember that because... Yeah, because Scotland... It certainly was the one that... Or maybe it was just after that. Maybe it wasn't actually worn at a World Cup. I think the one so they won the World Cup in was really nice because I remember it being all blue and having like a high So maybe neck. check maybe check what Buffon was wearing at that tournament because I seem to remember that he was wearing one of those shirts that had the weird... You're talking about the, the neckline, right? It kind of looks like a V-neck and then it's, yeah. and then it's got like a white... It's like almost he's wearing a white T-shirt underneath it. That's it. When Scotland played Italy in 2007, they were wearing those shirts that you're talking about. So they may have worn oh, them no, at the 2006 right. World Cup. You're right. I've googled it. You're right, Graham. You're right, and it looks so terrible. Those uh, those were bad shirts. Yeah, but I've 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 actually gone in a, in a different direction. I'm going to highlight a whole tournament, and I'm going to highlight the 2010 World Cup. So there's been some bad designs. In, in the past, but there, there's only so much I can criticize a manufacturer for trying something different, even if it doesn't come off. And then some of those bad designs have gone on to become ironic classics, a little bit like the denim shirt from 1994. Uh, but 2010 was just a low point for kit design. At, th- at this point, it felt like manufacturers were barely trying, and almost every every kit was a template, just in different colors. There wasn't very there wasn't much flair or experimentation. And that thing I've talked talked about in terms of cultural representation, there was none of that so i would i would highlight the 2010 world cup that was a pretty plain there was there wasn't really much going on there at that tournament fair enough all right let's finish off uh, a quick look at the best kits uh uh from world cup history joe i think i'm gonna cite one you mentioned earlier the england 1982 kit i own i've only ever bought two england kits uh it was a, a replica of the 1966 kit the white one the home one and this aforementioned admiral um, 1982 shirt with the blue shoulder and red stripes, or blue, red and white stripes, I suppose, on the shoulders. That's gorgeous. How, yeah. What are you thinking? Yeah, that, that England 1982 one is certainly on this list for me. It's really, really good. I like the, the Germany 1990 shirt, if we're talking World Cups. 
it is, it's so clean. It's mostly white, but again, the use of the accents and the colored accents, you have black, red, and yellow, the, the colors of the German flag, stripes. So they're not just going in one direction. They start on the shoulder, they come down a little bit. It's this angular pattern, and it, it looks really cool. I think that's one of my favorites. This year's Mexico and Japan uh, primary color shirts are both lovely. And then I have a soft spot in my heart for Croatia and their picnic blanket shirts. I think they're <laughs> they're lovely. The red and white checkerboard pattern is great. It's iconic, and everyone knows. Well, I shouldn't say that. A lot of folks know when they look at this this, this pattern or that shirt in particular, they immediately know that it's Croatia. I love those. So that one, the, the Germany one, and then uh, both Mexico and Japan from this year's batch are way high up on my list. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Germany 1990 shirt is just a, an all-time classic for me. For me, that's the answer to what the the best World Cup kit is because that I don't know whether it's it it must evoke something about like German architecture or design or something because that design you're talking about Joe in the chest is just something very quintessentially German and and Germany have reused that design numerous times over the years yeah. and and they'll do it again in the future. A couple other favorites of of mine: the 1986 Denmark kit. That's an all-time classic designed by by uh, Hummel. So obviously you're you're off to a good start there, and it's a mix of chevrons and 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 pinstripes. So that's a that's a very nice one. And then I would pick out the France '98 World Cup shirt as well. And maybe this is maybe this is just because it means something personally to me. That was the the first World Cup that I watched as a, as a kid. The first World Cup that I can remember but their home kit for that tournament is a, is a classic the red stripe across the chest and you still see that kit being worn by people at festivals and just the other night at the US Open I was watching the tennis I saw a fan wearing it with Zidane 10 on the back and it's right at the top of the show we talked about Ryan iconic moments being um, marked by these shirts and I think this shirt is also iconic because of what that France team stood for in that tournament and 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 what they did in 98 actually had quite a Quite a good number of, of classic kits. 2010 was a bad World Cup for kits, but 98 was a, was a pretty good one. There we go. I think we can all reach a consensus that German 1990 kit is probably one of the best. Yeah. I'm amazed no one's mentioned a Holland shirt because I always think Holland has the best shirts because they're orange and by their very nature, they are awesome. Uh, but that's, a, I suppose, a conversation for another time. They've had some great ones as well. Uh, but for now... Let's bid adieu to our World Cup kit conversation. Graham Ruthman, thank you very much for lending your expertise. I imagine your heart rate's going to lower gradually <laughs> as we step away from this episode. Thank you, Ryan Bailey. I was going to say I never bid adieu to my World Cup kit conversation. That is forever yeah. ongoing. The sun never sets on the Graham Ruthman kit empire. That's what they say. <laughs> indeed. Uh, Joe Lowry, thank you very much indeed. So I assume you're off to Ross now to, uh, to get some gear. That's right. Got to get my fix. Got to pick up some USA 2022 World Cup shirts, baby. 1999. <laughs> All right. You have yourself some fun at the strip mall, Joe. And listener, thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back on the feed next week with another Soccer 101. But for now, catch you later. 